you're a manager, you probably have the opportunity. I call it an opportunity. Uh, Sometimes it feels like the burden of recognizing when someone on your team is underperforming. If you are uh, an engineer, then you have the exciting opportunity to uh, hear about when you are underperforming. And often this uh, underperformance, this lack of performance, it is categorized as one of two paths, one of two kinds of underperformance. The first is uh, not doing something, right? not doing enough, not practicing a particular behavior that you're supposed to be practicing. And the second is doing something that your team or your manager uh, is not getting value from. I phrase this very intentionally for today's episode because we're going to talk about reframing these weaknesses. We've come to call them as uh, uh, call them weaknesses. Reframing them to understand that these are actually usually expressions of a strength. I want to be very clear that I don't believe that this is true for all weaknesses, right, or all uh, shortcomings. Certainly, there are things that could inhibit you from growing in your role. There are responsibilities that if you do drop them, that's not an expression of some other strength. But I want to give you this new lens for thinking about these things that we have come to call weaknesses. Let's look at a few examples of this. Let's imagine that you have a teammate who seems to always be pointing out issues. They're always pointing out what's wrong with things. They never seem to come to the table with a solution. They seem negative. This is a very common problem. But this is also very likely a potential leverage point. If this person is put in the right position, if this can be utilized as a strength rather than uh, seen as a negative thing, right? Rather, Rather than seen as something that detracts from this person's ability to contribute to the team. If instead we say, okay, you know what? You're good at finding problems. You're good at critiquing. Can you provide critique on our ideas so that we can go and make them better. Now, recognize what we've done here. We've taken the implicit expectation that's been put on this person that in order for them to, to bring value to the table, they must come with a solution in mind. And instead, we've said, okay, what are you doing naturally? What are you capable of doing naturally? What can you bring to the table that maybe nobody else is bringing to the table? You don't have to have every piece of the puzzle, but the pieces that you bring, let's use them to our advantage. So if you put this person in, let's say, for example, a quality engineering role, or honestly, you don't even have to necessarily wrap a title around this. What you can do is, as a team, compose your different offerings. Not everybody on the team needs to be able to provide great critique, because you have someone now who does provide very good, uh, very good critique. Now, this doesn't mean that 
you know, every person should only operate in one strength area and everything else kind of falls to the wayside, right? There are still strengths that we can all work on. Uh, there are still things that you may want multiple people to have that strength. So don't view this as uh, having every individual hyper-specialize, right? And forget all of their multifaceted strengths. Uh, we still probably want to have multiple strengths, a whole portfolio of skills that we bring to the table. But rather than viewing somebody's natural tendencies as a negative, try to put on a new lens that takes advantage of those things. It doesn't even have to be a negative or a positive. It may simply be a behavior. Maybe you have an engineer that likes to work later in the evenings and another engineer who likes to work early in the mornings. Well, this actually provides you a unique opportunity. If you want to hire in a location that has a time zone that goes a little bit later, that person may have somebody who can review their code that's working later because you have an engineer who likes to work later hours. So there's nothing necessarily right or wrong about working early versus late. We're looking at these things purely as behaviors and thinking about ways of taking advantage of the behaviors in the highest leverage way possible. A couple of uh, more common examples. Uh, one example would be an engineer who seems to get caught up in process. They are perfectionists. They try to test every single part of their code. Well, do you have a part of your company that actually needs that tighter control? Do you have a part of your company that has a, you know, a business critical system that can't go down. Perhaps someone who is rigorous and thorough in their testing, uh, somebody who follows every process to a T, they might fit well in that environment. Another example is the engineer who goes the opposite direction. They rarely write tests for all of their uh, implemented code. Maybe they bundle up a bunch of different features in a single PR Maybe they're taking shortcuts here and there. This could be viewed as a negative thing if they're breaking policy. But do you have a team that is working on, let's say, an early stage product? Something that benefits from someone going fast and taking shortcuts. Something that doesn't really need all of the process controls put in place. Recognizing that these kinds of natural tendencies or behaviors actually make people more suitable for different kinds of work, or uh, perhaps they can be suited to a, a particular team structure that coincides well with theirs or, or with their skills, with their natural tendencies. This is what will make those people successful. The common answer here is to try to improve the behavior, to standardize it in some way, to bring up the uh, process for the person who is most uh, lax, and to try to turn down the process for the person who is most hardline. But it might make more sense to recognize where those things can produce unique value that is differentiated from other people. Now, importantly, apply this to yourself. What are the things that you have been self-critiquing about? What things are you self-conscious about? What produces imposter syndrome, or anxiety? What are the things 
on the flip side, that you're that you get excited about, that feel natural to you, the things that you typically do without anybody asking you to, things that you are uh, you get good at over time, uh, that you're naturally inclined to improve in that particular area. Those are the things, right? The the second, the latter half of that are the things that are likely to be your leverage points, and. If you think about all of those things that make you anxious, it's possible that if you reframe them or put them in the right situation, the same thing, this is the amazing part, the same thing that people might call a deficiency, the same thing that you are anxious about or that's producing that imposter syndrome, that may actually turn into a strength in the right scenario. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Developer T. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd encourage you to join the Developer T, uh, Developer T Discord community. That's developert.com slash Discord. It's totally free. You have you know, no fees. We don't ask for anybody to pay Discord anything. We're not collecting anything. You know, there's, there's nothing to do there other than come and join the community and talk with us. It's developert.com slash Discord. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, enjoy your tea.